Class. I'm Rob Birdsell, your host, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tom Burnford. Tom? Hey, Rob. Great to uh, be with you again for the second time. Second time this week, right? A lot of action and a lot of action. Um, so today is going to be a short podcast and just you and me. This is a bit different for our listeners. Normally, Tom and I are privileged to have a guest, but we have been working on a white paper that we thought would be interesting for some of you to hear about before you dig into the full um, the full five-page essay. And over the past few months, Tom and I have been talking about how education is going to change coming out of the pandemic. You know, are people just going to go back to the same old way it has been for 100 years? Or will people have begun to see new ways to deliver education. And so we we began working, and Tom, it's been a lot of fun working with you on this essay, where we reflect, first of all, on how so much has changed in the world, Tom. I mean, you know, I, I, I've said this so many times, even on this podcast, I think, but I, I finally re- recall going to Blockbuster with my daughters. There's no Blockbusters anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> and instead, we, we've got you know, thousands of movies right at our fingertips on our, our remote controls. And for years, I was a holdout and had a travel agent. Well, after the pandemic, she didn't survive the pandemic. And I've now been booking my travel on apps and Marriott. And um, it actually, although I miss her and, and our friendship, it's it's actually quite a bit more efficient than <laughs> than trying to work with her back and forth. And um, uh, we could go on and on uh, about how everything has changed. But, you know, Education fundamentally has not changed, you know, in 150 years. Absolutely. And Rob, I think one thing that uh, working with you on this that is important to note is that the stuff we're talking about comes from our experience working with school leaders. It's the school leaders around the country who have adapted and changed, particularly in the past few years with COVID, uh, both in keeping schools open and in engaging technology creatively to support education. So you're right that not much has changed uh, if you look at it in terms of decades. And yet I think we're also seeing signs of substantive change in the world of education with regards to technology. Uh, And so it was a really great exercise to work with you and think about and try and sort of collate some of this and put it together into what do we think uh, we're seeing and what we're going to see. But this is stuff we're seeing from our experience. Yep. And um, Tom, one thing I would like to just clarify for our, our listeners, something I learned in the midst of this pandemic, that what most schools, or at least Catholic schools, did in in March when they went on to Zoom, uh, that is referred to as remote learning. Uh, that is not online learning. They took a brick and mortar curriculum and they went on to Zoom. And God bless them. Amazing to stay engaged and keep their students moving. But that's not online learning. So when we refer to online learning, we're talking about a curriculum that was designed to be delivered online. Absolutely. Yes, remotely. But it's, it's different. The, the, the entire delivery mechanism. Uh, in fact, much of online does not have a live component. You can add that in, but it is designed to be taught and facilitated with a full-time teacher watching the student go. And, and I remember uh, our chief academic officer once said to me, Tom, that the one constant in a brick and mortar school are the bells. Yes. Whether you learned it or not, the bells are ringing and you got to go to the next class. Whereas with online learning, you don't go forward until you've mastered the concept. So students can go at their own pace. So it's actually a much more student-centric and individualized way to to learn. So just wanted to, before we jumped into our learnings of what, what can come out of this, I wanted to clarify when we're talking about remote versus online learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So, Tom, as we worked through this this thought piece, um, we came up with six takeaways, six um, opportunities for school leaders to consider continuing to evolve, adapt the way they deliver their education, the way they serve their students. And the first one is a really interesting one to me. It's the the assurance of greater quality in student learning. And what I mean by that is that in the hundreds of schools I've been in, in the schools that I've worked in, uh, you've, you've always got a, about 20% superstars. Yep. And everybody knows who they are, and they are rock stars in one way or another. Um, yes. And, and literally every school I've been to, you have those. They're just passionate. They're brilliant. They love the children. They love their students. Uh, and they have fun. They're having a lot of fun. Yeah. The bulk, probably about 60%, are good. They're, they're committed. They're there. They may not have the charisma. They may not have quite the dedication, but they're good. You know, they're, they're, they're more than adequate. Um, and the students learn got, well and the students yeah. are, are learning, you know? Yeah. It's just, they're not the rock stars, but they're yes. good, solid teachers and they're committed to the profession. The concern is you've got 20% that are not. Right. You've got 20% that you do not want your children in that classroom, not because they're not safe, but they're not going to learn. Yeah. And if you have a bad teacher for one year, it decimates your ability to catch up and to move forward, especially if you're in the math or sciences. What an online opportunity does is it takes away that variable nature of the teacher because you've brought in technology to enhance the learning so that if you're in that class with a bad teacher, you've got supports, you've got learnings, you've got curriculum that is still, even with a bad teacher, you're able to improve your quality. Right. I mean, the ability to have a tried and true uh, education delivery system um, that really has been proven over time and to bring that into school, I think you're right. It, it can help level out quality and assure quality um, in a situation where uh, even just statistically, it's super hard to have excellent teachers across the board, if not impossible, uh, in the same way that it is in any industry, in any work. So, In addition, we have a teacher shortage, which we'll you know, talk about in a minute, but finding great teachers today, retaining them, keeping them engaged is also very difficult. And you can see this when you look at the variable test scores in a given school. How are certain students doing so much better than other students when they're in the same school, serving yeah. a very similar population? But Tom, let's move on to uh, the second lesson learned. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, I think what one of the things we've seen is just the potential for uh, greater teacher engagement uh, and to be frank, happier teachers when there is a mix of a quality online system to support the work of the teachers, um, that it can free up the teacher using an online delivery method, can free up the teacher to focus her or his efforts on encouraging each student and also in uh, helping each student learn at their own pace and go deeper into what that stu student or a group of students um, need. So, <coughs> excuse me. So there's, there's the ability with online delivery of education supported by a, a quality teacher. Uh, and we've seen this in many schools to have uh, a live sessions where it's not lecturing at the students to communicate the basic information. It's really going deeper with the students to help them understand 
concepts that maybe they didn't get initially and to go deeper with those concepts. And also for the teacher to communicate freely some of the passion they have for the subject that's being discussed. So by helping the teacher, um, by using technology to help educate the students to some degree to pass on information to the students, then the teacher is freer to help the students deeply understand and then even to take action based upon what they're learning. If we think about the no understand and do uh, concept within education, you can really help the teachers focus and take the students to the next level. And I think that's one of the important benefits of an online uh, system working with quality teachers in a school setting. Um, we also know one clear advantage is you can do online assessments, which take away a lot of the grading burden for teachers. Uh, and that's not the fun bit of teaching, right? <laughs> oh, Tom, let me tell you, when I was an English teacher, I constantly, I, I never didn't have papers to grade. It was like this, yep. this burden on your shoulder that come June 1st, it was like, I am freed. But then August 15th, you're burdened again. You're always grading. And, and while the technology is not quite there, AI is coming to help teachers grade and more authentically grade uh, essays. I mean, right. that will be an amazing freedom for a teacher to then be with his students or her students more. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing when you're talking about technology, you know, that Rick Hess has a great new piece out in National Review, Education After the Pandemic. Mm -hmm. He's going to be our next guest on the, uh, the next class. We'll get a lot into this. But he had an interesting comment that the original technology in education was the textbook. Right. And right. what the textbook did is it freed the teacher up to get out of the text, get out of the knowledge and go to understanding. Yes. What I'm hearing you say and what I believe is that by using a, a, an online or a hybrid mode of delivery of education, the teacher can get out of the what and into the how. Exactly. Exactly. And then into the why, of course, as well, uh, particularly as we go up to, to older grades. So in some sense, it's letting teachers do what they love more, right? And to do it at a higher level with students and engaged. And you're never going to be able to replace that with a completely technologically based. We still absolutely have to have teachers, but we know we want teachers who are more fully engaged, more satisfied, and more passionate about uh, teaching as teaching. So. And it frees them up for, for relationships. Yes. That, that is what we know drives student engagement, student learning is is engagement, which which also moves to our third piece, Tom, which is an increase an increased focus on Catholic identity. And somebody might be saying, how in the world, by using technology and online, do we increase Catholic identity? But it's what we're saying. By freeing the teacher up, instead of grading papers, instead of grading assessments, they have time to be with and accompany their students in their Catholic identity, in their faith formation. Uh, but it also can, can impart, I mean, you've got technology this morning, I was on my walk listening to a podcast um, from the Center for Action and Contemplation. There are ways for theology and Catholic identity to come through technology that I would have never known James Finley without this podcast. Now I feel like I know him. Right and Now students can be learning their faith formation in so many different modalities other than just the sage on the stage. And Rob, I've, I've been so fascinated by this concept of how do you form students in faith in a hybrid 
uh, model. And I've had lots of conversations with people who said, you simply can't. It has to be person to person. And we are a sacramental people as Catholics. And there is something very true about that relational. But to say we can't, that's a cop out, right? I mean, you imagine St. Francis Xavier, if he'd gone to Japan and said, I know this just ain't going to work, right? Crazy language, different sense of God, completely different philosophies, and everything is completely different. Can't do it. Let's go home. Uh, he, he didn't say that. He said, we got to figure this out. And he used creative methods to bring faith into a completely new environment. And that's that's a, an integral part of what, what church is called to do and what Catholic education is called to do. And so we have to do that with technology. And there are plenty of ways that that happens. Uh, well, Tom, it flows right into our fourth uh, learning, which is increased student outcomes. And if we just talk about increased student outcomes in faith formation and, and theology, research shows that about 70% of students learn best when they literally see things or do things rather than hearing or reading the same things. So students that simply read the theology textbook and listen to the teacher profess it. The 70% are not going to get it. But if they're now right. online and they're doing, they're in action, they're seeing it come alive, they're taking a video, they're zoomed into Jerusalem, they see the birthplace of Christ, they see the birthplace of St. Ignatius, now now they're they're getting engaged. And so um, increased student outcomes is, I mean, we touched on this earlier, but the ability for students to go at their own pace. Because right now we have millions of students in America who are facing deficits in learning because of the timetable. Right. And that's that's all the more important at this point is to be able to have students learn at their own pace, to catch up or to progress. That's a critical, a critical element. Especially in math. And again, I was an English teacher, so I'm a bit over my skis here. But, you know, how are you going to learn um, decimals if you haven't mastered fractions? Exactly. Yep. But they're, they're moving, whether you've figured it out or not. <laughs> and and that deficit is what we're talking about here. Yep. So, Tom, why don't you talk to us about the fifth? Where we talked sure. a little bit when I talk timetables, but the fifth piece here. I mean, Rob, you and I have had so many conversations with uh, schools in the past two years. And one of the challenges is just uh, the, the, the basics of operating a school with 300 students and 20 teachers, and who's in what room at what time, particularly when so many students are out, particularly when you've had to close down for a while due to COVID, particularly amidst teacher shortages. And historically, there hasn't been much flexibility. You've had a teacher in a classroom with 15 to 30 students in front of them. And financially, if you've got 15 students, you're losing money. If you've got 30, there's a chance you're doing okay. Right? And it's not about making money or losing money, but the finances of schools are important. And 70 to 80% of a school's operation, as we know, goes to human resources. And, and, and rightly so. The point is there's very little flexibility historically. When you add a hybrid option, when you have the potential to do uh, online learning for a subject or a couple of subjects or for uh, a uh, subject in which you can't find a teacher uh, because of a geographical area or a particular need or a shortage, you have flexibility to consider another option. And in the process, 
you're giving the student an experience, as we've talked to, an experience of learning in a different modality, an experience they're going to have to learn. We have to have students who know how to learn virtually when they go to college because college and university and indeed life is going to require the ability to learn in an online setting. But the flexibility of being able to learn Spanish online as part of your school day and curriculum, it gives a flexibility in terms of student schedules. Uh, we've worked with a school that where students simply couldn't take um, multiple AP courses because they were offered at the same time. And they work to have a virtual AP course, which can be done asynchronously, and therefore the students can take the courses they want. We also know that an online option enables for three or four students to take German. You don't have to find a class of 15 and then end up with 10, or you don't have to have a German teacher on staff. Flexibility enables a school to do more. It also enables school to go beyond their boundaries and their borders, to reach out to students who may be further away from the school than is normal. So flexibility is something that an online option can provide with access to tons of different courses, to access to teachers who will support that learning, but maybe be remote and therefore uh, not have to uh, be uh, local. So I think it's worth thinking from an operational perspective about flexibility in the school scheduling, flexibility in staffing, and also in flexibility in budget and costs by being able to include a different modality of learning to some degree in the school. So it's um, interesting, and I've been amazed by the creativity that we've seen with some of the schools we've been working at. Well, I mean, I, I think of one in particular in California that in August called a friend of mine who's leading the school and he couldn't find a chemistry teacher to save his life. We're teaching five sections of chemistry. And I think one teacher is in uh, Buffalo and one is in uh, San Jose and one teaches three sections, one teaches two. Uh, right. It's going so well, they didn't even advertise for a chemistry teacher at the semester break. They just said, this is going great. You know, right. the kids are engaged. They actually kind of like it because of all the technology, the online curriculum, the engagement that they're having. Um, they're doing dry labs, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And Rob, that moves right into this this idea of, you know, with a, with an online partner, you can expand your course catalog, which is our, our, our sixth point, is just the ability for even small schools to be able to offer a whole slew of AP courses to be able to offer, you know, Latin or cryptocurrency or all sorts of things and just have access to them so that students who want to learn those courses can. And also in that vein to, uh, to offer dual credit. You know, dual credit yeah. is becoming increasingly popular because of the high stakes test of the AP exam and fewer universities are taking scores under a four. Three is really not accepted anymore. But if you take a dual credit from a real dual credit partner like Marquette University, every university in America is taking that if you get an A or a B. Yep. And it solves the problem, Tom, that so many dual credit programs have is that you have to have a teacher with a master's plus 15 postmasters credits in the subject. Well, how many schools of five, 600 students have six of those teachers Yes, in the subjects that you want to offer dual credit? It, it's a brilliant idea, but it's very challenging to find, we're talking about teacher shortages, to find teachers with those qualifications. A good dual credit program online, you're using 
you're using the university partners professors. Yeah. And, and Rob, I, just one point. I, I think what we're talking about, particularly with expanding the course curriculum um, and, and even the school reaching out beyond its traditional borders, it, it, it enables a school to be the community, the faith community, the learning environment, the, the, the local community that it was always meant to be and wants to be, while at the same time having access to a level of quality that is, is high, to be frank, right? So to assure quality, to expand a course catalog, to be able to ensure high student outcomes. It enables all those things to happen without having to completely change the community of the school that is a learning environment that forms the whole person. So in some sense, it's the best of both worlds. It's a, uh, yeah. And the time is now a time. I mean, we've, we've seen, especially Catholic schools, adapt and innovate and respond. And I think now is the chance we've been waiting for. My 27 years in this business, we've been talking about innovation. We've been talking about we need to change. I think the time is now, and I'm I'm excited for what I'm hearing and seeing. And for our listeners, I highly encourage you to listen to our upcoming episode with Rick Hess, one of the great minds in K-12 education. And we'll be talking about more of this, the uh, education after the pandemic. Absolutely. Tom, any final thoughts? I think you're right. I agree completely. This this is the time and it's an opportunity. And it requires us to sit down and look and think about how we're running our schools and also to learn from one another uh, and see what others are doing as we uh, look at various options for the, for the betterment of the students. So the white paper that Tom and I have been referring to is called Endings and Beginnings, A New Vision for Education. We are working with a few potential outlets for it. If if not, we will certainly be disseminating it through our social media and um, LinkedIn and Facebook. It will, you'll be able to find it there in the next few weeks unless we find an outlet that wants to disseminate it more widely. But we hope that you look for it, Endings and Beginnings, A New Vision for Education by Rob Birdsell and Tom Burnford. With that, I'd always like to ask you if you've enjoyed this, to like it on your uh, platform that you're listening to your podcast, to share it with your family and friends. And as always, Nico, our producer, thank you for your time and effort. Have a great afternoon, morning, evening, whatever you're listening to this on, and we hope to see you at the next class.